Uh, before we start, I'd like to invite you, if you will, to bow your heads with me as we ask the Lord to bless our meeting tonight. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, as we are about to open your word, we ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured upon us and to enlighten our understanding. And we pray, we claim the promise that when he comes, he will lead us into all truth. For we pray in Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. So let's go on here in our message. Tonight we're going to be studying about uh, what we call the three angels' messages. I invite you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Revelation, if you will. Let's go there. The last book of the Bible, and we are going to Revelation chapter 14. And there we find what is known as the three angels' messages. What is the message known for, again? Yes, the three angels' messages, and we are going to see what, what these messages are all about, and uh, it will be fascinating here. So Revelation chapter 14, we will see that this message is a message for the whole world. In other words, this message is a message for us, and this message is a message that will be proclaimed before the end of all things. And we learned that Jesus is coming soon, right? So you remember our study. We are right here in the feet, actually right in the nails of the, of the image of Nebuchadnezzar. And the next is the everlasting kingdom that Jesus will usher in. So this message will be proclaimed before Jesus comes. And I'm going to show you how I know that here in the book of Revelation chapter 14. But I want you to see in verse 6, if you follow with me, verse 6, it shows that it's a message for the whole world. The Bible says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on where? On the earth. How many nations? To every nation. But what about I'm not a nation, I'm just a tribe. Am I included in that? Every tribe also tongue and people. And then the message says there very clearly, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come. I want you to see with me that this message is proclaimed, uh, three angels' messages. Okay, so you have the first angels' messages on verse 7. You have the second angels' messages, uh, message on verse 8. And then in verse 9 through 12, you have the third angel's messages. And then I want you to see what takes place in your Bible right after the proclamation of the first, the second, and the third angel's message. Notice what the Bible says in Revelation 14 and verse 14. Revelation 14, verse 14, the Bible says here, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man. Who is the Son of Man here? It's Jesus Christ. Having on his head a what, everyone? A golden crown. He will come as a king in the clouds of heaven. And in his hand a sharp sickle. Verse 15. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap. For the harvest of the earth is what, everyone? Right, okay, and that's exactly what he, what he did. What event is this that Jesus Christ will come in the clouds of heaven with a crown, implying that he will come as a king in order to harvest the harvest of the earth? Those that have matured their, their religious experience, their character. What event is that? 
is the second coming of Jesus. We already studied about that. But I want you to see that you have the proclamation of the three angels' messages to the whole world, every tribe. And then after that, we have what? The second coming of Jesus. Is that clear, everyone? So this message, the three angels' messages, is a message for the time of the end. Notice the first angels' messages in your Bible in verse 7, what it says there. What does it say there? First word there. Verse 7. Fear God and what? Give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment has come. You can stay with your Bible right there unless you really want to go to the next verse I'm going to take you. But in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 6, help us to understand what it means to fear God. Yes, it means to reverence God. Yes, it means to have respect to God and worship Him. But notice what it says here in Deuteronomy 8 verse 6. Therefore you shall do what, everyone? Keep the commandments of the Lord your God to walk in His ways and to what? Fear Him. So how do we fear God according to this verse? By yielding obedience to God. Okay? A life of obedience is a life of one who fears God. Now, what does it mean to give glory to God? So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 31, you don't need to go there. I have in the slide unless you want. And you're welcome to keep me accountable as I have been uh, telling you. But uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, the Bible says, Therefore, whether you, what is the next word, everyone? Eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the, to the glory of God. How do we give glory to God? Is just singing praises to Him? No, it says whether we eat, whether we drink, whatever we do in our life, our lifestyle must give glory to God. Are you following so that's what it means. I put there the Toronto, but it should be 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Okay, excuse me for that. But a message of fear God and give glory to Him, it's a message calling people to yield obedience to God and also to glorify Him through our lifestyle. The way we live our lives is a life that gives glory to God. Are we together, everyone? So that's a message that will go to the whole world. And then it says there, if you remember... It says, fear God, Revelation 14, verse 7, if you're still there in your Bibles. Fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His, what is come? Judgment has come. Friends, that's an important part of the message. We see that before Jesus comes, before Jesus, what everyone? Comes, there will be a message saying that the hour of His judgment has already, what? Come. Are you following Therefore, we must expect that God's judgment will start before He comes in the clouds of heaven. Are we together, everyone? So let's continue here. Notice what it says here. The book of Revelation, as well as the book of Daniel. What are the two books, everyone? Revelation, Revelation and Daniel. Those two books help us to understand very clearly about God's judgment. And we are going to ex explore those books tonight. But the final judgment, Revelation gives the what? What is the judgment? But Daniel gives the what, everyone? When and where the judgment takes place, Jesus gives the assurance for us. Would you say amen for that? So the message is clear. 
Fear God and give glory to Him for the hour His judgment has come. And that's prior to the second coming of Jesus. But Jesus is the one who gives us confidence to go through the judgment. Are we together? So let's go on here. I want to take you to Revelation chapter 20. The same book, Revelation chapter 20, before we go to the book of Daniel. Revelation chapter 20 helps us to understand more about the scenery of the judgment. It talks about books there, and I want you to see that. The Bible says in Revelation 20, verse 12, Revelation 20, verse 12, notice what it says here clearly. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and what everyone was open. Books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. So we see this imagery of books open, okay? And then it says here, and the dead were, what is the next word, everyone? Judged according to their works by the things which were written in the, in the books. Can you see here tonight, friends, that uh, these judgments include books, and we are going to be judged based on what is written in the books, yes or no? Is that clear? It's very clear from the Bible. So let me read this statement with you. Why there should be a judgment. Friends, notice what it says here in this slide. The rebellion in heaven. We saw yesterday that Lucifer, he rebelled against the government of God. He wasn't happy with the government of God and he, he cast doubts upon the character of God. The rebellion in heaven introduced a question into the universe about God's what, everyone? Character. His fairness and His integrity. Therefore, the judgment clarifies God's, what everyone? Actions. Friend, let me ask you a question. Does God know at the end of all things who is going to be saved and who is going to be lost? Yes or no? Oh, yes. He knows the end from the beginning. That's why we've been studying prophecy, okay? But there is something about this judgment that is not really about God, but it's about us understanding why God does what He does. Why will God destroy some and have others into everlasting life? Are you following? Remember the accusations. From the beginning, we saw that God did not destroy Satan because his deeds needs to unfold and reveal itself and bear fruit. And once everyone sees the consequence of evil, God can destroy evil and nobody would question why he did that. And the judgment is part of that process of clarifying God's actions. God doesn't need to judge anyone here to know if we are going to be saved or not. He knows. But the judgment is for the sake of, as we are going to see tonight, the angelic angels who are observing and to ourselves. So let's move on here. I want to read this statement here for you. God reveals in the judgment that He has done how much? everything he can to do what everyone save and satan has done everything he can to destroy and the judgment will reveal that okay not for god because he knows all things but for those who observe during the judgment notice carefully where does the judgment take place and the book of daniel is the one that will help us tonight i want to invite you to open up in daniel chapter 7 daniel chapter what everyone 7 daniel chapter 7 let's turn our bibles there I have uh, one of you telling me, uh, Preacher, you're already getting tired, so last uh, meeting you were very slow, so that's why tonight, after one day of rest, I'm accelerating again. <laughs> so now you have to follow me, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. So let's go to Daniel chapter 7. 
Daniel chapter 7, and we are going to read verse 9. Are we together there? Daniel chapter 7, I give you a little bit of time. I'm still turning myself the pages here. And we are going to verse, beginning verse 9, and then we're going to read verse 10 as well. The Bible says here, Notice carefully, we're studying about the judgment. Where does the judgment take place? Look this vision. I watch it till what, everyone? Thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days, this is God the Father, by the way, the Ancient of Days, was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. And then verse 10, notice. A thousand thousands minister to him. Start right here. If you compare this verse right over here with Revelation chapter 5, a thousand thousands minister before him. In Revelation chapter 5, it tells that these thousands and thousands that minister before God are angels. You have to put the two together. But it's pretty obvious. Who are these that minister before the throne of God? It must be the holy angels. But if you just want one more verse for that, you can go to Revelation chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, and you're going to see that scenery there. Now, notice carefully, a thousand thousands ministered to him, ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him, the court, and then I put between parentheses there what? Judgment. Most versions translate that word court as judgment, including the King James Version. Okay, so the judgment was seated, and the what, everyone? The books were open. Again, the books. Are you following? So the judgment will take place where the Ancient of Days is located, where his throne is located. And that is in heaven, my friends. The throne of God is located in heaven, in the sanctuary, in his sanctuary. And there the books are going to be opened. And there the books will go, going to be evaluated to see who are those that gave their lives to God and who are those who rejected the ways of God and His grace. Okay, so let's go on here. Notice the next question. When does the judgment take place? The question now is, what, everyone? When. We already know where. Where does the judgment take place, everyone? In heaven, okay? Before the throne of God. That's where the books are open. And that's where the angelic beings are located, ministering, observing all things that are happening there in the judgment. To see God's actions, if they are fair, if they are consistent, why God saves some, why God destroys some, they need to see it. It's about God's integrity. It's about His character. Now, we are going to discuss about when. And then I have another question here. Is the judgment before Christ comes? We already know that answer. What do you say? Is that before or after? Okay, okay. We have division in Israel. So Israel is divided, you know, like in the Old Testament, right? A lot of division on, on, the, on, the, on the camp of Israel. So listen carefully, friend. Is the judgment before Christ comes? Okay, yes. Remember, the three angels' messages is proclaimed, right? And one of the messages says, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has what? Has come. And then the second is proclaimed, the third is proclaimed, and then we see the second coming of Jesus. Remember that. That's Revelation 14. So are we all together? Is the judgment before Christ come? Yes or no? 
Yes, you know, the investigative judgment. Okay, so I'll take one question, but then um, make sure you write your questions. Make sure you write your questions, and I will take um, the next day. Okay, so Revelation 20, yes. Yes, we are going to study more about, uh, uh, we will see throughout our series that the judgment of God has three phases. We are studying the first one. The first one that we are observing here, proclaimed in the first angel's message, will take place before the coming of Christ. Are we together? Very good. So let's go on here. Revelation, um, Revelation 22, verse 12. I want you to see in Revelation 22, verse 12, that Christ is speaking here through the prophet John. And I want you to see what Jesus says in the message of Revelation. The very last chapter, he says, And behold, I am, what everyone? Coming quickly. And notice when he comes, what happened? He comes with what? And my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work friends if the reward is with christ when he comes that means he has already made a decision are you are we together so notice in matthew chapter 16 verse 27 the same concept you know it says for the son of man will what everyone come in the glory of his father with his angels and then he will what everyone reward each one according to his works the bible is consistent okay so first the judgment so he knows who receives the reward and he who doesn't receive the reward and then he comes and he gives now acts chapter 17 verse 31 because he okay and that's god the father in the book of acts if you want to go there you're welcome acts chapter 17 verse 31 because he god the father has done what everyone appointed a day on which he will do what everyone judge the world in righteousness by who by the man whom he has ordained who is this man who the father has ordained to judge it's jesus because it says here he has given assurance of these to all by doing what with jesus everyone raising him from the dead okay very good so now i want to take you to the book of daniel and we're going to stay there in the book of daniel for a little bit let's go to daniel chapter 8 if you have your bibles let's go there daniel chapter 8 that's an important chapter in the bible when we talk about the judgment when we talk about what everyone the judge you can't talk about the judgment without going to daniel chapter 8 and you're going to see the importance of this prophecy over here. This is the longest prophecy in the Bible. What kind of prophets did I say? The longest prophecy in the Bible. I want to read with you what the Bible says in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 14. Are you ready for this? An amazing prophecy which says, For 2,000 and how long more? 300 days, then what's going to happen? then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. I know I probably lost uh, 60% of you right now, but we are going to rescue all of you and we are going to march together here tonight, okay? So what is this chapter talking about when it says, after 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed? I'm going to show you tonight that uh, this message, this chapter right here that we have before us, is talking about the time 
the prophetic time when the judgment is going to start. Are we together? You probably don't see that at this point, and that's fine. That's not a problem. But when we study tonight, we are going to see that the cleansing of the sanctuary, when you look in the Bible, is a reference to the Day of Atonement. What kind of day, everyone? The Day of Atonement. That was the day that the Hebrew sanctuary was cleansed. It's called the Yankpur. Okay, so that was the Day of Atonement. The Jews know that day as a day of judgment. Okay, so it was a day of judgment. So here the Bible is saying that there will be 2,300 days for the sanctuary to be what, everyone? Cleansed. And, uh, and you cannot understand this chapter as literal days. And we're going to show you in the Bible tonight that. Because if it is literal days, how long is 2,300 days? Six years, right? Around six years. Thank you for that help. And that would have happened in the days of Daniel, the prophet. Are we together? But I want you to see what Gabriel told Daniel about this prophecy over here. It's in your Bible right there in chapter 8. Read with me verse 17. Understand. Notice we are in Daniel chapter 8 and verse 17. Let me see here in the Bible. Just to make sure I put the whole verse here for you. In verse 17, the Bible says, So he came near, that's Gabriel, where I stood, that's Daniel, and when he came, I was, what everyone? Afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, Understand, son of man, that the vision refers for when? What time? To the time of the end. Is Daniel alive in the time of the end, friends? Here it is. According to Daniel and his prophecies, the time of the end is in the feet of the statue. Are we together? So the angel comes to him. Daniel is living all the way here back in Babylon. And the angel says, this prophecy here that you just read about the 2300 days and the sanctuary shall be cleansed. I want you to know, Daniel, that this prophecy is for this time over here. Are we together, everyone? Okay, therefore, the 2,300 days cannot be taken as literal 2,300 days. 2,300 days. Are we? Okay, so let's go on. Now, let me, let me show you that this 2,300 uh, days, when it comes, when the time expires, what is going to happen according to the verse? Verse 14. For 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed okay so notice what it says here um okay we're going to see in a little bit that each day in bible prophecy is it correspond to one year but hold on there and let me take you to the book of exodus chapter 25 let's first understand what is the sanctuary that needs to be cleansed what is what everyone that needs to be cleansed the sanctuary. So when we go to the book of Exodus in the Bible, chapter 25, verse 8, God showed a vision to Moses. God showed what to Moses, everyone? A vision. A vision of a sanctuary. A vision of what, everyone? Sanctuary. And then he told Moses to do it according to what he had shown him. Are, you toge are we together? Notice what it says here. And verse 8, let then make me a sanctuary for what purpose? That I might dwell among them. Okay, so, and uh, when we read the context there, it had to be done according to what God had shown Moses. 
in that vision. And that was a replica of the sanctuary. The real model is in heaven where the throne of God is. So you have uh, the courtyard, the outer court, where you have the sacrifice of the animals, especially a lamb every day in the daily service, pointing to the Messiah that would give his life as an atonement for sin. Okay, so... Then you have here the laver where the priest would wash his hand and then he would go into the sanctuary. The first compartment is called what, everyone? Holy place, okay, where he sprinkled the blood in the horns of the altar right over here, the altar of incense and also in the curtain. And then the second compartment was called what, everyone? Most holy place where you had the Ark of the Covenant. Are we all together? Okay, let's proceed here. Notice carefully here. The sinner's guilt was symbolically transferred to the perfect lamb. And that was a symbol of Christ who was perfect. There was no sin in him. So let's continue here in our study. There you have the priest ministry and taking, you know, the blood into the sanctuary. And that was a symbol. When the sinner came with the lamb and confessed his sins on the head of the lamb, it was a symbol that his sins now was transferred to the lamb. And the lamb was taking the guilt. And then the sinner himself would cut the lamb and the lamb was killed. And then the priest would get the blood, symbolizing now that the sins of the of the sinner the sins of who everyone was transferred into the sanctuary and that caused the sanctuary to be polluted to be what everyone polluted contaminated symbolically this is a ceremony okay it was symbolically polluted the sanctuary was polluted by the sins that was transferred into the sanctuary let me tell you what that means remember the books that we saw in the judgment those books are, are records of our actions because we are going to be judged according to what is written in the books and according to everyone's works, okay? So those books are written, the actions there, and all our sins are recorded there, and those sins, they pollute the sanctuary of God. Is the sanctuary of God a clean place, yes or no? A holy place, yes or no? But can you imagine you go up there and you open this book and it has all kinds of sins about me, about you? Does that pollute the sanctuary of God? Yes or no? Most definitely. Our sins pollute the sanctuary of God that are written there. And those sins need to be blotted out. They need to be cleansed. And that was going to take place in the Day of Atonement, a Day of Judgment. Notice what it says here. Jesus offers the merits of His blood... In heaven on our behalf when he goes into the holy place as an intercessor. And right over here in the most holy place, what is this furniture that you find in the most holy place? The Ark of the Covenant. And what is inside the Ark of the Covenant? The commandments of God. Friends, I want to show you a Bible verse in the book of James. Go there with me in the book of James chapter 12. This is so important, friends, for you to understand where the judgment takes place in the sanctuary of God. We know this is all a replica that God gave to the Jews to teach them about the plan of salvation. Notice what says James 2 verse 12. So speak and so do as those who will be judged. How? By the law of liberty. And if you read the context, 
you will see is a reference to the Ten Commandments because it talks about uh, not committing adultery. It talks about thou shalt not murder. Okay, so it's talking about the Ten Commandments. So what is the basis of the judgment according to this verse? Huh? What is the basis of the judgment? It says very clear. So speak and so do as those who will be what? Judged by what? By the law of liberty. The standard of the judgment is the law of God. Now, question for you. You know, when we go back here to our previous slide, I don't know if I can go back. Yes, so no, I couldn't. That's fine. That's fine. But uh, remember, the Ten Commandments, the law of God is found where? Is it found in the outer court? Yes or no? No. Is it found in the holy place? Yes or no? No, so the judgment can't take place in the outer court. It cannot take place in the holy place. Is the law of God, the Ten Commandments, found in the most holy place? Yes. And according to James, we are going to be judged by the law of liberty. Therefore, the judgment must take place in what compartment of the sanctuary? The holy place or the most holy place? The most holy place. Okay, so that's when the judgment takes place. In the most holy place. But we are going to explore more that. The day of atonement, the day of judgment, the cleansing of the sanctuary. You know, the Jews, they, they are well acquainted with this language. They know that every year, how long, every, uh, did I say everyone? Every once a year, once a year, the high priest went into the most holy place, Right? And then he there in the most holy place, he would cleanse the sanctuary. It was a ceremony which would cleanse the sanctuary for all the impurities that, w that were transferred throughout the whole year by confession. Remember, they confess upon the lamb. The sin of the sinner was transferred to the lamb. The blood was taken into the sanctuary to show that there was a record of sin in the sanctuary of God. And at the end of the year, the seventh month of the Jewish month, on the tenth day was the Day of Atonement, a day when the high priest would go into the most holy place and he would cleanse the sanctuary. Are we all together, everyone? Okay, so very good. Here we have, do you see the priest inside the most holy place there? Okay, do you see that he is in the Ark of the Covenant? And what is inside the Ark of the Covenant, everyone? The Ten Commandments, which is the standard of the judgment. That's when the judgment takes place, okay? Where he decides who is going to be saved and who is going to be lost. And then if we have, you know, like ask forgiveness and allow Jesus to give us the power to overcome and we repent of our sins, so our sins are blotted out. Our sins are cleansed, okay? So let's go on here. There you have those, that, that sanctuary that God gave to the Jewish nation had what we call the, what kind of service, everyone? The daily service that happened every day in the outer court and the holy place and the, the yearly service that happened once a year like the Day of Atonement, okay? And it took place in the most holy place, okay? And that's what we are studying about uh, tonight. When Daniel says in 23,000, uh, I'm sorry, 2300 years, and then the sanctuary shall be what? Cleansed. That's what we are talking about. The antitypical day of atonement. What word did I say to everyone? Antitypical. What does that mean? Okay, that word antitypical means this is the typical, it's the symbol. 
pointing to the true day of atonement, which takes place in heaven when God starts the judgment. Okay, let's move on here in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 6. Notice what it says about those two services there, the daily and the yearly. Now when these things had been thus prepared, the, what everyone? The priests, how often? Always went into the first, the holy place, right? Part of the tabernacle, performing the services. Every day he would enter in the holy place. But there is a contrast. In the second part, how do you call the second part of the sanctuary? Most holy place. The high priest went alone how often? Once a year, not without blood. What does it mean, this expression, not without blood? With blood. Right? Not without blood, meaning that he entered there with blood. Right? And that is pointing back to the sacrifice of Jesus that gave the right to come into the most holy place to cleanse the records of sins. To blot out our transgressions. Are we all together? Okay, so notice here, talking about the Day of Atonement in the book of Leviticus. Um, you don't need to go there unless you really want, but it says here in Leviticus 23, verse 27, Also, what day of the month? On the... Tenth day of this seventh month, there shall be a day of what, everyone? Atonement. It shall be an, a holy convocation unto you, and ye shall do what? Afflict your souls, you know, uh, soul searching, to make sure you're not clinging to your sins, and that you have experienced repentance. And offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It was a ceremony, just like killing the, the sheep, you know, the, the lamb was a ceremony that pointed to Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. The day of atonement was a ceremony that pointed to the day of judgment. Okay? Notice what it says here. Every Israelite had to do what in their hearts? Examine their hearts because they knew they were going to be judged. The day of atonement was an illustration. Was a what, what word was that? Illustration of God's what? Judgment in the heavenly sanctuary that will occur just before Jesus comes again. Are we together? So that's simple, friends. So if you have got lost, let me just say what we have said. This summarizes everything. The day of atonement was a, what everyone? Illustration that God gave to the Jews of God's what? Judgment in the heavenly sanctuary that will occur just before. So that's all we have said so far, but I wanted to show you from the Bible. Now we go back to Daniel chapter 8, verse 14, and you're welcome to turn your Bibles there. We go back to that verse, and now it makes sense. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary shall be what? Cleansed. That was the day of atonement, when the sanctuary was cleansed. Then the judgment will begin, when God will decide whose sins will be blotted out and forgiven. You know, so forever, no longer in the records. Why is that necessary, friends? Friends, let's be honest. Here I come... Perhaps I have, um, let's just use a simple example. I have lied to my wife and then um, the Holy Spirit touches my heart and uh, I come before God and plead with God to give me repentance. Uh, 
And then he gives me repentance. I ask for forgiveness. He forgives my sins. But my sins are still there in the records. It may be written, forgiven by the blood of Jesus, but they are there. Why they are there? Because there is a possibility for me to fall back. To repeat. The judgment is that moment when God sees that I have truly repented of lying. That I have not gone back to lying. And then God sees all his lies has been, have been forgiven. And his, his sins can be blotted out. And that's the cleansing of the sanctuary. Are we together? You see that in the parables of Jesus. You probably remember a parable of a man that owed you know, a, a huge amount of money. He comes to the king and the king forgives him. The king what, everyone? Forgives him. And then he goes and he takes his fellow by the neck and says, pay the little bit of money that you owe me. And then he hear, the king hears about that and the king brings him back and says, why you didn't forgive him? I have forgiven you your huge debt. And then he suffers the condemnation. He suffers what, everyone? But wasn't his sins forgiven? It was. But because he went back into his old sins... Guess what? Now he has to pay back. Are you following? And that was the day of atonement. Was our sins forgiven when Christ died on the cross of Calvary? Yes or no? Yes. But there will be a day of judgment where we will need to, of course, not physically speaking, but where our names will come up in the judgment to see if we have really repented and forsaken our sins or not. That's why the message is fear God and give glory to Him for the hour His judgment has come. It's a message of consecration. A message of what, everyone? Consecration. So notice, let's continue here. Um, Notice what it says here. So it talks about here the judgment starts after this 2,300 days, which is pertaining to the time of the end. And the question is, what is the meaning of this 2300 days do you want to know the meaning of that yes okay so notice what it says daniel 8 16 and 17 gabriel make this man understand the vision what was the command for gabriel to make daniel to what understand the vision understand son of man that the vision refers to what time everyone the time of the end, all the way to the last days. Okay, so notice what it says in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 4, verse 6. I need to go a little quick here. Ezekiel says, Then you shall bear the iniquity. That's a prophecy that God is giving to the Israelites. Then you shall bear the iniquity of the house of Judah for how long? 40 days. But notice what God says in that prophecy. I have laid on you a day for a... for." Each year. So in Bible prophecy, one day corresponds to how long? One year. So 2,300 days is actually 2,300 what? Years. That's why God said, Daniel, this message is not for your days, but it's all the way to the last days. Okay, so let's go on here. There we have. There we have here. I have laid on you a day for a year, so... 
It's talking about 23 literal years, this prophecy. If the Bible gives us the starting point, we don't have the starting point yet, for the 23 years, then we could easily calculate the ending point to know when the sanctuary will be cleansed. Are, you, are we together? What do we need to figure out now? The starting year for the 2300 days. But the problem is, Daniel fainted before the angel could tell him. Yes. I want to read that with you in Daniel 8. If you have your Bibles there, you're welcome to follow. In verse 26, it says, And the vision of the evenings and mornings. By the way, evenings and mornings is talking about a day. The vision of you know, the evenings and the mornings. It's talking about the 2300 evenings and mornings. Which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers for many days in the future. And then verse 27, the last sentence says, And I, Daniel, did what? Fainted and was sick for days. I was astonished by the vision, but what? No one understood. Did Daniel understand the 2300 days? He knew what the claims of the sanctuary meant. He was a Jew. He knew that. Okay, but he didn't understand uh, this long prophetic period, 2,300 years ahead of him. Friends, the good news is that the angel comes back in Daniel chapter 9. What chapter did the angel come back? 9. Okay, Daniel was praying because he was really frustrated with the sins of his people and uh, the long time for God to restore all things is 2,300 years. It was too long. And in verse 21, what verse are we in chapter 9? Notice. Yet, while I was speaking in prayer, even the man, what man? Gabriel, who I had seen in the vision at the beginning. In chapter 9, there, has, there is no vision so far. What vision in the beginning is he talking about where he saw Gabriel? That's back in chapter 8. It's, you know, like when, when the Lord said to Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. And then when the Gabriel was explaining, he fainted. Now, so Gabriel comes back. Verse 22. And he informed me and talked with me and said, O Daniel... I have now come forth to give you skill to what, everyone? And understand. And then he says, last sentence of verse 23. Consider the matter. What matter? That vision that he couldn't understand. And the, again the word. Understand the what? The vision. What vision does the, the angel want to give him understanding? The 2300 days. And then he says, don't miss this. Follow carefully in your Bible. Then he says, 70 weeks are what? Determined for your people. Who is the people of Daniel? The Jews. And for your holy city. What is the holy city of Daniel? Jerusalem. He says that 70 weeks are determined. Do you see that word determined? If you go to the Hebrew, you will see, I don't know if you can follow right here. This is a different translation that it has. Seventy weeks are decreed. Do you see that there? So that word, chatak, which means cut off. Seventy weeks are cut off for the Jewish nation and for the city of Jerusalem. Are we together so far? 
All he said is that 70 weeks are what, everyone? Cut off for what nation? For the Jews. Now, friends, follow with me carefully here. Let's stay together. Am I able to cut off a piece of table from a piece of a chair? Yes or no? If I want to cut off a piece of a table, I have to cut off that piece out of a larger piece of a table. Are we together? Am I able to cut off a piece of a cake out of perhaps a, a pizza? No. In order to cut off a piece of cake, it has to be from a larger piece of cake. Cake. Are we together? In order to cut off a period of time, a period of what, everyone? I have to cut off that period of time out of a larger period of time. Are we together? So when the angel comes to Daniel and says, Daniel, I came here to give you understanding of the vision that you didn't understand. I want you to consider the vision. I want you to know that 70 weeks is cut off for the Jewish nation. 70 weeks is a period of time. It can only be cut off from a larger period of time. What is that larger period of time that the 70 weeks was cut off from? The 2300 days, which is 2300 years. Are we together? Out of that period of time, God cut off 70 weeks for the Jewish nation. Now, let's, let's continue here. Let's continue. There you go. Jerusalem is the holy city of Daniel. Notice in verse 25, uh, 24 again, you already know that the word determined means cut off. And 70 weeks, 70 prophetic weeks. How long is that? Each week has how many days? Seven, Seven days. So how many days altogether? 490 days. But each day in Bible prophecy corresponds to what? 490 years. Are we all together? And just in case you are really questioning this whole day for a year thing, notice what, how the NIV translates verse 24. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your what? People and your holy city. Okay, so let's go on here just to remind ourselves. I have laid on you a day for each, for each year. So therefore, the 490... Symbolic days is equal to 490 literal years dedicated for the Jewish nation. Now we need uh, the starting point. In verse 25 gives you the starting point. The angel gives the starting point of the 2300 years as well as the 490 years, the 70 weeks. He says, know therefore and understand that, what, what is the next word? It's highlighted there. From the going forth to the command to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. That's the starting point. A decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. Friends, the Jews, they were taken into captivity by the Babylonians. The temple was destroyed. And in the book of Ezra, you have the chapters there if you want to study. It shows that King Artaxerxes Longanimous I... He issued a decree to restore Jerusalem in the year, what was the year there? 457. That's the starting point, friends. That's the starting point. And you can back it up at that starting point by um, historians, like Greek historians. 
you can back it up at that date of the decree of Artaxerxes by astronomy, by also business tablets in Babylon, or ancient Egyptian, how do you say that word there? Papyri. Notice what it says in verse 25. Go back to Daniel 9, verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem, that's 457 B.C., until who? Messiah the Prince. The word Messiah is the word Christ. Christ is Greek, Messiah is Hebrew. Okay, of course, the transliteration. There shall be, notice what I said, there shall be what? Seven weeks and 62 weeks. Put the two together. How much is seven weeks plus 62 weeks? 69 weeks from the decree to restore Jerusalem, 457 B.C., all the way to the Messiah. There will be, how many weeks, everyone? 69. Why did it say, you know, seven weeks and then 62 weeks? Because the first seven weeks... 49 days in prophecy, 49 years, was to rebuild and restore the temple in Jerusalem. Are we together? After the Babylonian captivity. Okay, so, but then, after those 49 years, you would have another 62 weeks, prophetic weeks, that would take us all the way to who, everyone? Messiah the Prince. Messiah the Prince. Friends? Messiah means anointed. It means what, everyone? Anointed. The word Christ, by the way, Jesus Christ, it's not like his last name. His first name is Jesus and Christ is his last name. Jesus Christ is Jesus the anointed. Jesus the Messiah. Okay, Jesus the Christ. So here he's saying that from 457, the restoration of the decree to restore Jerusalem all the way to the Messiah, there would be 490 years, and then he would be anointed. In the book of Luke, you know this passage, just feel uh, secure there, you're, you're well acquainted. Luke chapter 3, verse 1 says, Now, in what year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar? 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar. We all, historians, they know that is the year 27 AD. What year, everyone? 27 AD, what happened there? Verse 21, when all the people were baptized by John the Baptist, it came to pass that Jesus also was what? Baptized. Yes, that's right. And the Holy Spirit descended on him in the bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Friends, that's, that's uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 31. Okay, excuse me there for the wrong reference. Acts chapter 10, verse 31 says, How God did what? Anointed. That's the word Messiah. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with what, everybody? The Holy Spirit and power. When he was baptized on 27 AD, that's when Jesus was anointed. Okay? And uh, friends... The Bible is so, so amazing. Look over here, this, this chart. The Bible is so amazing that gave the year that Jesus would be baptized and start his ministry, would be anointed by the Holy Spirit. From the decree of Artaxerxes, 457 B.C., that's 69 weeks, prophetic weeks to the Messiah. And that takes us to the year 27 
A.D., the baptism of Jesus. Friends, prophecy shows without a shadow of a doubt mathematically that Jesus is the Messiah. Would you say amen for that? Notice in verse 26. And after the 62 weeks, remember, seven weeks, 62 weeks, all together, how many weeks? 69 weeks. So after the second you know, a chunk of time here, the 62 weeks, after 27 AD, sometime after 27 AD, what would happen with the Messiah? The Messiah shall be what? Cut off. So prophecy is saying that the Messiah would die, would give his life. Are we together? Notice in Daniel 9, 27, you better follow carefully there in your Bible if you'd like to understand. Notice in verse 27 says what Jesus would do in that last week. How many weeks we have so far? 69, right? It's missing one of the 70 that was cut off for the Jews. Then he shall confirm a what, everyone? A covenant with many for one week. That's the remaining week of the 70 weeks that was given to the Jewish nation. Okay, so there you have the chart again, the remaining week right over here, the 70 years, because one week has seven days in Bible prophecy, each day is equal to one year, and Jesus did confirm the covenant with many. Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to the disciples, saying, drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood and the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sins. Go back to Daniel 9, verse 27. Notice what it says. But in the middle of the week, when is the middle of the week? How many days has a week, everyone? The middle of the week would be how many days? Three and a half. So after three and a half years from his baptism, 27 AD, three years and a half would bring all the way to the year 31 AD. What would happen there in the middle of the week? He shall bring an end to sacrifice and offering. That's the sanctuary system. He's saying, he's prophesying, Daniel is prophesying here, now Gabriel is explaining to Daniel, that the sacrificial system of the Old Testament would come to an end. Why? Because in the middle of the week, what happened? Jesus, the Messiah, was cut off, gave his life. So he was the type, he was the symbol, and now Jesus fulfilled this, the, the symbol. And no longer there was a need for the symbolic system of the Old Testament uh, Hebrew sanctuary. Notice, here we have, you have the larger period of time, the 23 prophetic days, which are literal years. And then you have the 70 weeks that was cut off beginning in 457 B.C. with the decree of Artaxerxes the king of Persian, that gave permission to restore Jerusalem. You have 69 weeks, comes to the Messiah. Then the remaining week, in the middle of the week, Jesus dies, and the sacrificial system and all the offerings is abolished in the sight of heaven. Okay, so, and that remains three and a half years, the rest of the week, okay? That brings all the way to the gospel being preached to the Gentiles. Daniel 9 is about Jesus Christ, our Messiah. Galatians 4.4, 4, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son. In other words, when the, the prophecy of the 70 weeks was being fulfilled at the right time, 
God gave his son. Romans 5, 6. In what kind of time? In due time, meaning at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Prophecy was predicting when the Messiah would be cut off. Even the time, the year. He shall bring an end to sacrifices and offerings. Christ was baptized on time. Christ was crucified on time. And he ascended up to heaven to be our high priest in the heavenly sanctuary. Hebrews 8, 1 and 2. Now this is the main point of the things we are saying. Notice, this is Paul, the New Testament. This is the point that I'm saying. We have such a what, everyone? A high priest who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the where? Heavens. Doing what there? A minister of the sanctuary and of the, what kind of tabernacle? True tabernacle, which the Lord erected and not what? So if there is a true tabernacle, by default there is a what, everyone? One that was a replica. It wasn't the true one. Friends, in the year 34, which is the remaining of the half of the last week, from 27 AD to the year 34 AD, we have Stephen preaching to the synagogue, to the, to the leaders, to, not the synagogue, how do you say the Sanhedrin, yes, to the leaders of the nation, showing that Christ fulfilled Bible prophecy and he was stoned. That was the year 34. So we have here the Jewish leaders rejecting Christ as the Messiah and now the gospel begins to be preached to the Gentiles by the apostles. Here's the significance of 34 AD, the end of the 70 weeks, marks the end of the 490 years prophecy, first of all. Jewish nation rejects, not as individuals, okay? We're not talking about individuals here, but as a nation rejects the Messiah, Jesus as the Messiah, by stoning Stephen that was preaching the prophecies concerning the Messiah. The gospel then goes to the Gentile and the world. Notice, Daniel 9, 24, 70 weeks are determined, cut off for your people and for the holy city. Now, the remaining parts... Of the 70 weeks, the larger period of time is the 2300 days, right? How many years are still missing? Yes, 1810 years. Okay, so 1810 years. That's what the prophecy says. For 2300 years, then the sanctuary shall be what, everyone? Cleansed. That's the judgment. So. And if you, I don't know if I can come back, but uh, if you see the end of the 2300 years, take us to the year 1844. What year, everyone? 1844. In 1844, that's when Jesus enters into the, what kind of place, everyone? Oh, there you go. You're falling. Into the most holy place of the sanctuary. He transitioned from the holy place because when he died in the outer court, so to speak, as a lamb, he goes into the holy place as our intercessor. And now he transitioned in 1844 into the most holy place. 
as our judge. His primary role is a judge. It doesn't mean there is no intercession taking place, but his primary role is a judge. Now it makes perfectly sense. Revelation 14, 7. Fear God and give glory to him for the what, everyone? The hour of his judgment has come prior to the second coming of Jesus. You know, that's pointing to 1844 forward. And friends, that's a time for you and I to do what the Jews were supposed to do in the symbolic Day of Atonement. What kind of Day of Atonement did I say? Symbolic. What did they do during that day? They were afflicting their souls. They were searching their hearts to make sure they experienced repentance and cleansing from sin. Because, friends, Jesus will only cleanse up there in heaven what has been cleansed down here in our hearts. Are we all together? The cleansing of the sanctuary corresponds with the cleansing of our hearts. And that's why it's an urgent message that must be proclaimed. I know perhaps some of you are not used to studying prophecy and you say, wow, that was a lot to digest. Friends, I am making myself available. If you want to discuss more about these things, we can discuss. But the beauty of prophecy, God is saying there is a time for everything. There is a time for Jesus to be baptized. There is a time for Jesus to die. There is a time for the gospel to be proclaimed to the rest of the world. There is a time for the judgment to start. And before Jesus comes, he wants the whole world to know now is the time for us to prepare ourselves. If that's, that's your desire, I invite you to bow your heads with me. And as I pray, surrender your heart to Christ and says, I want my heart to be cleansed, Lord, so the sanctuary, my records can be cleansed. So let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for the amazing prophecy of Daniel chapter 8 and chapter 9, where you have promised to send a Messiah, and you have sent. And Father, you have also warned us that the time of judgment has come. And Father, we, we rely on Jesus now, our intercessor and advocate, as well as our judge, we ask in the name of Jesus, that you send the Holy Spirit to give us the gift of repentance, to take our hearts, and we pray, Lord, that you cleanse us from sin. Give us the power that we need to live in accordance to your standard of righteousness. For we pray in the name of Jesus, let everyone say, Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.